You're listening to the Busy Business Women podcast, episode 66. And today we are talking about the business of rituals and taking a step into the wonderful world of simple everyday rituals with Tara Skip from Nourish and Nest, who I guarantee will bring some beautiful zen into your day and help you rethink the way you do life and business. Hi, I'm Faye Hollands and I've been helping time-strapped women in business improve their productivity and profit for well over a decade now. And in this podcast, I want to share with you the highs and lows of growing a successful business so that you can avoid the pitfalls, fast-track your progress and build a business that booms faster. This is the Busy Business Women podcast. Hi ladies, Faye Hollands here from Busy Business Women and I'm super excited to welcome the beautiful Tara Skip from Nourish and Ness onto the podcast today and we are going to be talking all about rituals and how us busy business women can inject some simple everyday rituals into our lives that will ultimately help improve the way that we operate in our businesses because when we look after ourselves, everything else can run more smoothly, right? So Tara and her brilliant business Nourish and Ness are dedicating to helping people create a life they love through the art of small rituals. And today, Tara is going to be sharing the philosophy behind her brand, which is to enjoy those small rituals, embrace simplicity and find beauty in the everyday, which I don't know about you, but I just love saying those words. They help me get my zen on without doing anything else. So Tara, without further ado, it's awesome to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much, Faye. It's fantastic to be here. I'm looking forward to this chat today. I feel like we're like polar opposites and I love talking to you because you are so chilled and so calm and collected and I'm just this like speaking at a million miles an hour. So (laughs) I think that by the end of this, you're even doing it to me now, I'm trying to purposely slow down. I think even by the end of this podcast, I will have my chill on before I've even done anything about rituals, but I know that I'm going to have some homework to do from today as well and I'm pretty sure our listeners will. Well, I think if my kids listen to this podcast, they will say, you don't know how unchill our (laughs) mum is, but... But they I never ask the kids' opinions, that. right? No, exactly right. <laughs> I got called the worst mum in the world the other day, and I don't truly believe that's true. So it, I'm not going to go with what they say. They're no, inaccurate. Absolutely not. <laughs> if your self-esteem comes from them, it's like chasing the wind. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm buggered. <laughs> yes. Now, I want to share something. I wasn't going to share this with you, but it's happened this morning, and I thought it, it's just uncanny the world way the world works. So I had um, a session with my psychotherapist this morning, which has absolute relevance, this podcast. So bear with me for a second, listeners and Tara. Um, So I've been working with my psych Luella for, you know, about a year now since Charlie got diagnosed with leukemia. And we finished off the session today talking about my drive to have impact in the world. And I know that my listeners will know, I've talked about the word impact a lot. It's been the word, my word of the year for kind of quite a few years now. I just don't even digress from it. And I was talking to her about, you know, my drive for that and how it it makes, it, it guides my decisions. And her parting words, and honestly, I could fill a whole podcast up with that topic alone, but her parting words to me were that the best way to have, have impact in the world is to firstly start with enjoying the present moment more. And I thought it was really mm-hmm. un- uncanny because I knew that I was going to be talking to you straight after talking to her. And I think it's uncanny because my take on what you do so brilliantly is that you help women do exactly that. Enjoy the present moment more and you do it through rituals. Have I got that right? 
Yes, yeah, you do. Uh, definitely the, the premise of Nourishing Nest is to uh, create a life you love and the our way that we are able to contribute to that is through the art of small rituals and that also means embracing simplicity and choosing to find beauty in the everyday, not always having to go out and create it but just finding beauty in the most ordinary of moments. Um, these practices seem to create pockets of peace and grace throughout our day that uh, small things that can have quite a profound impact on us internally and then therefore how we react and how we work and how we love and all our interactions. And see, what I love, love, love about what you've just said and what how I've really connected with you and what you do over you know, the months that we've got to know each other is that word small. You've not made self-care and rituals this great big thing that we've got to try and get into our day and it's a struggle. And I'll talk about that a bit more in a moment, but that word small and the word rituals just resonates with me as well. So let's just get stuck into that a little bit more. Now you started your business because of your personal fascination with everyday rituals. I'd love to know more about how that came to be. And I also want to know about the actual rituals that you have in your day and your, you know, in your business and your life and how they impact you. Yeah, sure. So I am not a person that enjoys routine. I'm not a person that wants to eat the same thing for breakfast every morning. And I know there are people like that. I'm married to someone like that. I'm the daughter <laughs> of someone like that. And that's not me. I um, I don't know if anyone's into the Enneagram, but I'm a, I'm a number seven. So I'm just wanting spontaneity and things changing all the time and, um, and, and just adventure and, um, you know, let's try something completely different. And that would often mean that I'd be very overcommitted because I wouldn't want to miss anything and I just wanted to soak up every moment of life and but it didn't always work and after I had so I had three kids quite closely together so we, there was a while that I had three kids three and under oh and, um, <laughs> that's a big deal three girls yeah it was um sorry no no it's not true three Are they kids, close like no no three kids five and under Oh, yeah, I'm mean, like, three seriously, five, three or five under? It's five just, and under. Three kids, stress five and under. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, is that even possible? No, I had three kids, five and under. So they were all at home. No one was at school yet. Yeah, that's okay. okay. Um, and my husband was working full time and then also running a business on the side. So he sort of worked six to seven days a week and I had the three girls and it was just kind of a overwhelming season of life to say the least and as anyone who has raised small humans would know there is just a groundhog day element to it that's unavoidable and sometimes it can almost mess with your mind that you just think I I get up I I feed I I put a load of washing on I I wash the dishes I dry you know like it just felt so um and I always just had this urge to just like run away to Vegas like I just wanted to like (laughs) do something wild and I was you know thankfully had it together enough to think okay I need to hang here for these kids but I did find that if I could create my own rituals that I can you know there was so much that I just had to do and I didn't have a choice but within what was in my control what how could I add beauty to my day how could I add 
moments of calm to my day and peace to my day that I looked forward to and I longed to and actually would help me enjoy the routines and the rhythms. And I knew that my children responded best when there's, they still do, when there's routine and rhythm within our home and our family and our year. And especially now as my girls are getting older and I'm teaching them about their own rhythms within their body, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, mm. it's everywhere. It's a big part of life. So um, not a time in life where I had a whole lot of money, time, uh, fancy equipment, all of those things. So self-care had to be something simple. It could have, I remember I would light a candle at about four o'clock every day. My husband worked night shift and he would leave and I would light a candle just to take a little bit of control when I'm like three kids are going to be crying in a minute and that, <laughs> yes. you know, anxiety provoking. But I light my candle and set a bit of an intention for the evening to come or I um, get up just that little bit earlier every morning and I slowly sip a cup of tea and don't let myself look at a phone or think about anything else until I've had that cup of tea. And it actually genuinely blew my mind how those simple things had such an impact on my mental health in a positive way and helped me Mm. find the joy in what could have been just kind of murky I could have like lost a couple of years just washing nappies in all honesty yeah Um, but and and my the kids responded well to it and it helped me plant my feet in that season of life so that I wasn't forever thinking, how can I escape and how can I do this? And but actually just be like, here, here I am, and how can I make this season as beautiful as possible? And not in a I want to take an Instagram photo when all my kids are in matching clothes and <laughs> like God. not well, beautiful, <laughs> not beautiful in that way, but beautiful for me, you know, beautiful in a way that really resonated uh, with me and I was able to almost see it as a bit of an art form, I guess. Yeah, I think what's really interesting is when you're talking about that, you know, you're saying about lighting your candle or having the cup of tea, which lots of us do, but probably the difference is, and I know for me, I'll just speak for myself and not all of our listeners, but when I'm doing that, it's not intentional. It's I'm grabbing a cup of tea, which I'm swigging down quickly while I'm trying to make lunches in the morning. Like there's nothing intentional about Mm. it. And there's a really big shift in mindset when you do that, I would imagine. And that's where the enjoyment comes. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong, I drink many a mindless cup of tea a day just to (laughs) warm up or, you know, because uh, it's that time. But at least once a day just trying to, um, and I have a a tea practice that I now teach, uh, where that we can take something as simple as tea and use it as a conduit for, because a lot of us aren't great at silence and a lot of us aren't great at being still. And we know now that, um, you know, the science, the science world has caught up with what a lot of ancient cultures have known inherently for years, that it is important to have times of silence and times of contemplation and times where we do just be and stop doing. And there's lots of ways to achieve that. But a cup of tea is just a very accessible way. And we can sit, we can feel the warmth, we can engage all of our five senses. I've worked with people that experience anxiety and um, a cup of tea can be a very visual thing to you know, slow down and watch the steam. And as we slowly sip the tea and we feel that warmth entering our body and just um, imagining that slowing slowing us down and all that's happened in five minutes. And it can happen on the back yeah. step. It can happen in the work, like the tea room. I've 
I've myself been in hospital and done it with a cheap cup of um, and Lipton something in a styrofoam yeah. cup. It's, I love that it's accessible anywhere. And over the years, my customers have told me their own rituals um, and how they've tried to bring a bit of sacredness into the everyday and probably one of the greatest honours of my business. And I, I truly believe because I, I was quite embarrassed when I started making candles. I didn't want to tell people. Like I'd worked as a counsellor and a community caseworker and generally always worked for non-for-profits and and there was a bit of a shame to say I'm in my backyard making candles, even though I had big plans and dreams for this business. Um, but I was I was thinking, oh, what am I doing? So silly. What am I doing with my life? And I had this real moment when a beautiful customer of mine bought a whole, like a whole heap of candles. I remember thinking, that's a lot of candles. And she came to pick them up and said, oh, can I ask why you're buying so many candles? And mm-hmm. She said that a dear friend of hers had come home to do palliative care and was on her last days, a young woman, and that she loved candles and one candle that we make in particular and they just, her girlfriends, they were just filling the house with candles just to really oh, make it sacred gosh. that time. And, oh, that was a game changer for me. I just thought yep. when we actually do what we do with real purpose and intention and connect with our customers and yeah, I would have never foresaw that. And then, and I know now that candles are often what people give to one another when they're grieving, and I've seen that a lot mm. from my customers. And so it's a ritual that it's the whole gamut of life, isn't it? When we bring a sense of ritual and sacredness, um, the ordinary can become incredibly precious. Oh, my gosh. Like where do I even go with this? There's about 55,000 things I want to ask you now. So... <laughs> Just rain my I'm in. throwing spanners in the world. <laughs> no, no, no. There's so much that I want to. So I just want to briefly touch on the fact it was interesting. You said, you know, you I loved the transition from embarrassed to be making candles in your backyard to actually realizing the significance of it. Um, and I just want to touch on briefly there, you created your business during your maternity leave. Is that right? Yes. I never kind of thought it was going to be what it is now. And, and what are you like seven years later? Yes. Yes. So my youngest daughter, she turns eight this September. And so I went on maternity and had a beautiful job as a um, school and a, a child and adolescent counsellor mm. and had a great job. But um, after I had my third child and I was on maternity leave, I'd always had a niggling that I would love to have my own business and yeah. I had, hadn't had any experience in the for-profit sector um, but I love, I've always loved writing and storytelling and um, just I just couldn't shake it and thought this is the time to do it. So I would breastfeed with one hand and designed an <laughs> online store with the other hand. It took me, I think I worked that, took me about 100 hours. So I think it took me about <laughs> nine months. So I used to, my first breastfeed of the morning, I would like have no computers. And I remember like, yeah. you are loved, you are beautiful, <laughs> you're a gorgeous woman, like, you know, speaking all these fabulous words of my little breastfeeding baby. And then that was it. The rest of the day, <laughs> she was getting breastfed, she was getting hit by the laptop. And I put this thing together, YouTubing how to code. And you know, it was crazy times. And then late, late, late at night, like it wouldn't be anything to be out in the shed at one in the morning, coming up oh, with wow. candles and soaps and tea blends. And, but it was, I was so passionate about it and I was so excited to have the opportunity um, that 
yeah, I went from there. And so I didn't go back to maternity leave. And I thought when all the kids are at school, I'll go back to a real job. And yeah. my youngest is in year two now. And I I feel like this is where I'm meant to be. I'm loving what I'm doing. I was going to say, look, and look at you in your real job now. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is now, a real job. <laughs> this is a real job, a very real job. Now, I want to go back a bit to when you said those words, self-care. Mm. And, um, you know, full confession, I used to roll my eyes at that term significantly. And I want to bring this up quickly so we don't lose listeners because there's going to be a lot of people in your camp where they're already on board. Like, this is making assumptions, right? Like there's two camps, but they're already on board. They maybe have small rituals in their day and in their life or they you know, know that they need to be looking after themselves. And then there's others that might feel like I used to where self-care was that that term that I rolled my eyes at because I used to associate it with needing to find quite a bit of time for myself or it meant that I've got to go to the gym every single day or for me, even at times as crazy as it sounds, like booking in for a massage when I didn't even have the energy to go to that appointment. Like all I wanted to do was slump on the sofa, but feeling like I had to go and go for the massage because I've got to have that self-care and look after myself. But what I've realized, and I, you know, I've come round to the proper way of thinking now, but what I've realized, particularly over the last year with Charlie being diagnosed with leukemia, and that's my daughter for listeners that don't know, um, is that the simple things in my life have become so much more valuable than I realized. It's definitely been an awakening from cancer. I know that there's a Facebook group called Awoken by Cancer. Like it definitely has had that impact on me. And I'm going to touch on that with you because I know you're a survivor of breast cancer um, as not two, we've not had breast cancer, but a a cancer survivor. But I've realized it's the simple things in life that are really, really valuable. And I, I've kind of realized that's a huge part of your philosophy and business. So I'd like to kind of understand that simplicity that you talk about because you've taken my view on self-care and made it like you were saying before accessible it mm-hmm. shouldn't be difficult for us as busy businesswomen to have a level of self-care in our life and that it doesn't need to be a term that we roll our eyes at I don't even know what my question was with all of that I just wanted to discuss that with you <laughs> and I think it's completely valid and since self-care has become a marketing term, it has been very sullied. And we, and in a world of perhaps Instagram and Pinterest, we can look at these elaborate rose barbs or, you know, <laughs> yes, um, a weekend away at a retreat or a yep. month-long juice cleanse. And look, all those things are fabulous. But it's very easy to say, well, I in my season of life, where I'm at right now, I can't do that. Mm. So therefore I can't do self-care. I can't look after myself, which is quite silly. Like it's almost like saying, well, if I can't compete in the Ironman, I can't walk around my block. You know, it's that real (laughs) all or nothing. Face plant, yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, bubble baths and cups of tea, it's one very small aspect of self-care. And There's a lot of very unsexy aspects of self-care that are vitally important. Often self-care might be, for, especially for women, making a doctor's appointment that you know you've been putting off Mm -hmm. and not just 
forever being the martyr thinking, oh, I've just got to look after everyone else, but your body's talking to you. You know there's something that's not quite right. Make that doctor's appointment or sit down and face your finances. That can be Mm. self-care. Self-care can actually be the opposite of splurging, but it actually could just be sitting down and going, I'm going to get a bit real about my finances here and make a bit of a budget. That's self-care. That's the kind of thing that your future self uh, thanks you for. Having a difficult conversation with an unhealthy friendship and, and just talking about, you know, where that needs to go forward from there, that that's self-care. Um, oh, I love this. What a beautiful shift. Like yeah. I've never actually heard somebody talk about self-care in that way before. That's really refreshing. I'm sure lots of our listeners are going, oh, okay, I can do this. But also how awesome to think about dealing with those difficult conversations, all your finances, the things that we procrastinate over. Mm. But once we put a little bit of time and effort into them, how much better they can make us feel. It isn't the facial or the massage or the rose petal bath. Yeah. It, it can be something quite practical that can have actually a huge impact on you definitely and often and don't get me wrong discipline is great and I imagine that um, most of your listeners are running their own gigs and they would know that only the discipline survive and unless you do what you tell your clients or customers you're going to do you won't be here very long so we all understand discipline but when it comes to self-care it can be helpful to think of it as devotion and like I'm doing this as a as a form of devotion, and um, you know, yep, I could just sleep in and and not get up for that half hour and have my cuppa. But I know that when I do beat my family out of bed for me, um, and all is silent, and I light a candle and I slowly sip my tea because I'm not a morning person. I need a little bit of time to to wake up. That is the most caring and. I, thing I can do for myself I know it sets my whole day up but I almost sometimes have to lay in bed and go no this is a bit of devotion to myself this is a bit of a a Mm. self-devotion rather than come on get out of bed stick you know be disciplined you said you'd do this there's only so much of that that we can handle yeah Um, so and I think discipline and devotion both have both have a role to play and it can be important to find which one that is but if we just put our hands up in the air and say, I haven't got time for this. Well, it's often not true to start with, but it can be very defeatist before we even begin. And I've met women that have multitudes of children, like many, and are carers, and and they will tell me that they, you know, get to a a, an appointment to pick a child up half an hour early and get a takeaway coffee on the way there and they put a certain song on and that's their half an hour in their car park you know it's amazing people find things that work for them in wherever they are wherever they've what they've got available to them and the difference between because you think well what's the big deal when you talk to people at the end of their life and I'll get back to this but that's something I've Mm had the honour of doing a bit in the last couple of years, there seems to be this common thread of people saying, oh, I just, I don't know where it went. I just turned around and suddenly I'm this age and I don't even know if that's what I wanted to do with my life. And and I'm such an honour for people to share things like that with you. And I truly believe it's when we don't take little moments out regularly just to be alone and just to, do a little take stock, reassess. Am I on the, no, do I need to realign a little bit? Oh, this situation doesn't sit well with me. 
this is really what I feel my purpose is. Am, am I slowly working towards that? I think mm. if we don't regularly do that, that throughout our life and we do live quite mindlessly, by the end of our life, we can be way, way off track where we felt we were meant to go. Yeah, completely. You know, and, and bringing it back to like a business practical level, we see that with business owners all the time. They started their business out to be, you know, often to give them flexibility and freedom. Yeah. And you look at them like one, five, ten years down the track and their business is entirely different. They're chained to their desk, mm. working longer hours than they ever did in corporate. And if we're not looking at what we're doing consciously, it's very easy to, for time to fly past and yeah. you're not where you want to be. Yeah. And I can completely imagine that with just reviewing someone's life or having those conversations. Yeah. Also, I just want to come back to what you said about um, discipline and devotion. Firstly, I feel like there's a song in that. Like I'm just wanting to sing <laughs> discipline and devotion. Oh, if you know a song, bust it out. <laughs> no, but I feel like I could make one up. And yeah, I feel like I'm karaoke. <laughs> But it really resonates with me because I am a very disciplined person. You know, I was, I've worked for professional services firms where we build our time in 15 minute increments. Everything was about yes, discipline. Okay. I've been in the reserve army. Like I'm disciplined yes, through and through. Yes, and cool. one of my new learnings is, but I've never heard it phrased that way, is that devotion actually being, and again, this has been a wake up for me in the last 12 months of going, Actually, I don't need to do that nine till three pickup and it's okay to just go and walk the dog for now, which sounds a ridiculous thing to say. Like, of course it's okay, I'm my own boss. But when you're cracking the whip and you're trying to be so disciplined, mm. you can completely lose sight of all the devotion. And trust me, like in the last year, you're talking about um, sometimes self-care is about appointments to having that doctor's appointment. I've just spent probably the last three months having every possible appointment <laughs> because I hadn't had any in the year before. Right, really right. Not quite time consuming. Well, good on you that you have done that. That's a huge well, I did opinion. it, but it's like a full-time job now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the wake up call of I like I love what you said about it's okay if the alarm goes off and you think I'm not actually going to get out get up and crack the whip and I'm just going to take that five more minutes and mm. it sounds the opposite to what I normally talk about and I know my listeners are probably going hang on a minute Faye this is not your usual how is leading you know, what has happened to her <laughs> well childhood cancer happened to me yeah. and discipline definitely still has a really strong place in my business and my life absolutely but if you have been the person that's more extreme like me what I'm saying is that devotion will you know, really add to your life and you need mm. to inject it back in. So discipline and devotion, there needs to be more on that because it's just yeah. a lovely marketing term to start with. Yes, but yes. I love that you've talked about that. Thank you. Now, I want to get stuck into your cancer journey, if you don't mind, for a few moments because yes, next sure. month marks two years since you're, you finished chemotherapy, right? Yes. And yes. after being diagnosed with breast cancer and I'd love to know how has your journey changed as a business owner from that diagnosis? Because I, you know, I know obviously I've mentioned it a bit before already today, because um, but I know with Charlie how I view my and run my business and life now is is very different. Mm. And it's a perspective that I obviously wish she had never got cancer, but given we have no choice about that, yeah. I look for the positives. And there are things that we've got out of her diagnosis that are definitely, you know, I'm grateful for. And 
I think often that awakening and that acute awareness only comes with actually either being the person with the life-threatening disease or a close carer. But I would like to share, and I'm trying to share my insights with my community, and I'd love you to share yours on how going through that has changed your business and life. Yeah, sure, Faye. Um, and I'm thank you for the opportunity. I have spoken whilst I was in the depths of, of treatment. I was I didn't share a lot publicly, just as I felt I had just enough capacity to hold it together for my girls and yeah. to focus on my own healing and not much else. So um, but I often receive and still receive. Um, as part as sorry apart from actually letting my beautiful because I have beautiful loyal customers I wanted them to know um, that I was going to be okay but I was going through this Uh, and but I do get emails and um, and messages and and things on social media and I have long known I need to probably share the story a bit more in depth but I feel Mm. much more comfortable doing it this way than writing out a, a blog post which felt a bit dry well, so, that works well for us. <laughs> Thank you. So let's see how we go here. <laughs> but I was diagnosed with breast cancer on the 1st of February 2019. Uh, so I have, was diagnosed with a um, hormone positive breast cancer, um, quite a decent sized tumor, three and a half centimeter tumor in my right breast. And the year before that, I had just not felt well and increasingly not felt well and just couldn't pinpoint it. And I was seeing some fabulous doctors and specialists and kept thinking, am I pregnant? Like it sort of felt like a real hormonal um, surge. Um, Mm. And I just increasingly was unsteady, even though nothing had come up, that there was a little bit something more going on with my body. My beautiful sister-in-law, um, the year pre- previous had been diagnosed with breast cancer, the exact same breast cancer oh, as wow. me. So statistically for two of us to have breast cancer under 40 in the one family um, with no real um, family history, it's actually quite um, unusual. Yeah. And she, um, she had found hers through self-examination and so I had been increasingly um, diligent with my own self-examination. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do I put this? Um, I had quite a rack. <laughs> it was, I had quite the set of boobs on me and I had had my whole life. So I would self-examine, but it'd be like, you know what, if there's anything in the middle, I wouldn't even know. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to the doctors saying, can you get in there? And um, the, they said, look, we can't feel a lump. And um, thankfully, 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 a doctor said, look, it's bothering you. Would you like to have a mammogram? And I said, yeah, just to put my mind at ease. She said, there's no lump. You've got no family history. There'll be no problem. And so I took myself off to my mammogram, which a few people were like, oh, just wait a year because then it will be free. So gra- grateful. I oh didn't gosh, wait a year yeah. and spent the $150. Best well worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, had been having the mammogram for maybe three and a half seconds when the um, lovely technician said, I'm going to go get a doctor, cancel your plans today. Like it was a real clear cut. There was no no, uh, mucking around. It was a very clear cancer. So I had my biopsy. Um, I ended up having a lumpectomy and a uh, bilateral reduction. So 
I don't quite have the rack that I once had <laughs> before you today. Uh, and that was for cancer reasons that um, just makes it much easier for self-examination in the future. And if I end up needing a mastectomy, um, it's it's kind of tricky to find an implant to match my double F, I've breastfed three child boob. <laughs> It's not really. I love how you're finding the humour in this. <laughs> I would have ended up with quite an um, interesting scenario. Yeah. So I um, luckily hadn't spread through my lymph nodes, which was fantastic. So then I um, was on a course of chemotherapy for about six months, um, followed by radiation therapy for maybe six weeks. And um, like the gorgeous Charlie, lost all my hair and eyebrows yeah. and um eyelashes they're the saddest things to lose oh and look for our listeners if you we're actually recording this and we'll be putting it on youtube and it'll also be in the show notes but if you haven't seen tara before she has the most amazing (laughs) head of hair you're gonna have to go check her out so you went from really one extreme to the other of having yeah my lashes haven't quite come come back there's there's a oh they look like they have oh yeah it's fake it till you make it but yeah the rest (laughs) the rest has all come back which is been lovely. So uh, I finished all my treatment, my invasive treatments at mm-hmm. the end of 2019. Uh, I'm on a 10-year um, program, a hormone program, which okay. it has side effects. It's it's quite a thing to manage. Um, you mentioned the Army Reserve before, and mm. I, I find that a really helpful analogy for me. I think I thought when chemo finished, I'd get back on with my life and all would be well. And I feel like having survived cancer and still being in treatment somewhat, it's like being in the Army Reserve. There's an extra Mm. few hours a week that I just need to accept. I need to put aside an extra few hours a week for um, appointments and the things that I need to do to keep my body healthy and well um, that I wouldn't have had to otherwise. And then once every six months, something comes up it's like you get a call up and you just have to put a week of your life aside Uh, I think last year I got a series of quite bad migraines and I was having some trouble seeing well when you've got a cancer history it's like right cancel your plan you're getting MRIs and brain scans and blood tests and and just to be able to accept that I don't have that control I actually Mm. um you know I had some changes to my treatment last week and just had to reschedule things and go and get injections and um yeah, yeah the army isn't that pathetic I so would never make it in the army reserve but it's, it makes me feel like I'm um, oh my god I think going service. through cancer is tougher but, like but I, yeah. that helps me to kind of you know because I think naively you can think you'll just move on with your life and there won't be any ramifications but mm. you know I, I went through menopause at 39 and that has ramifications and um yeah. living yeah so there's just that I need to have this part-time non-paid job of um, protecting myself from that cancer returning and just accepting that and seeing that as part of my life and to be honest I've never been more thankful to have my own business because I know that Mm -hmm. must be tricky uh, when you don't have flexibility just the appointments and um, the fatigue and I'm able to have the good fortune to be able to work at my own energy levels and know when Mm. I'm on high energy week and get a lot done and know when I need to lay low and 
Oh, I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, I just don't know. Well, in fact, in the hospital, I remember a social worker asking me, are you working, Faye? And when I said I was because I could still run my business, she she tried to disguise it, but there was this kind of look of horror. And it's really because I've not met anyone else in the child cancer space that pe- both parents were still working. Mm. So I've never been more grateful to run my own business. And, um, mm. you know, as a sideline, I think, the beauty of being your own boss is that if these awful things happen, then you have the flexibility to deal with them as you want to, because I can only imagine how stressful it would have been holding down a, as you put it earlier, real job, yes, <laughs> you yes. know, like dealing with that. So how is um, everything that you've been through? And I love how, you know, you just see it as this army reserve, this kind of extra bit of job that you don't get paid for, which of course you make the time for, which yes. is another reality of a cancer or life-threatening disease diagnosis is, that you have to find time for these things. So you do. Yeah. You know, people have spent a year saying to me, I don't know how you do it, Faye. Well, there isn't any other choice. So, exactly. of course, you have to. And you have to find that time every week now. But in terms of your view of your business and your life, how has that diagnosis, if anything, has it reshaped or changed your view? It was really interesting. So when you are first diagnosed, um, you have your biopsy and that biopsy is sent away and confirms that it is, um, in, in fact, breast cancer. And But then you have your surgery uh, and a lymph node is removed and the tumour itself is removed and that's sliced off and sent away. And, and really until that comes back, you, you're not exactly sure what beast you're dealing with. Mm. Um, you know, this could have spread, this could have... Um, you know, be there's a level. Mine was a mildly aggressive um, tumor, but obviously they can be highly aggressive tumors. Um, so, I think it was about a two week period, and that's a that was a really hard two week period. Yeah. Um, you know, and I would love to say that I dealt with it with you know grace and poise, but the truth is, you know, I remember at the time saying to my husband, you know, who's a really lovely woman who would be such a good mum to our girls? And he's like, did you just tell me who my next wife should be? Oh, my Because I'm a mum and my head was just going there. I was just thinking, okay, right, if this is the end, my middle child, she's amazing. She could do great things in this world. But if she had a stepmom that was going to not... Um, be easily have it wrapped around a finger. I was like, oh, this could end. This could end badly. Oh, <laughs> but you're right. Like your head does go it, to those places, was, right? Oh, it was. My head was all over the place at that time, mm-hmm. and um, we laugh about it now. Um, my husband, my husband, nearly laughs about it now. But <laughs> I, you know, but that's I was. I was like, I was, you know, thinking. But what was really interesting is I had assumed that. Um, if I was going to have regrets, because I was like, okay, if I if I get the call back and um, and I don't take this lightly because I have definitely lost friends to cancer and I've lost friends to cancer who are younger than me who also had children and um, not many days go by that I don't think about that and don't think yeah. about um, how incredibly fortunate I was that it was found when it was and um, that it wasn't a rare cancer. It was a cancer we know a lot about and we're able to treat. And when I thought, like, will I have any regrets, you assume that your regrets would all be about your family and, you know, I I wish I'd done more of this, this and this with my family. And 
I really felt regret-free in that area. I really felt like I've awesome. done, you know, I've been the best mum. I haven't been the, a perfect mum, but I've been the best mum I could be. Mm-hmm. I do believe my daughters feel really loved. But over and over in my head, I had this um, quote from Mary from one of Mary Oliver's poems. Okay. Like I'm, I'm talking middle of the night, writing it on repeat, like, you know, <laughs> maybe not an incredibly stable week of my life. But <laughs> I've got it here and it says, the most regretful people on earth are those who felt the call to creative work, who felt their own creative power, restive and uprising, and gave to it neither power nor time. Mary Oliver. Ooh. And I wrote that on my mirror at one in the morning and I kind of just made a bit of a declaration there and then that I was like, if I do have if I do have the opportunity for life after this, and this is still when I wasn't sure how serious it was, mm. I there are things I've creative creative things within me. There are things I feel like a, a mind to bring into this world and to share and to help people. And I would be incredibly regretful if if I, I didn't bring any of those to fruition. And that mm. that has been probably the biggest impact on me. Um, by far just am I just being busy and don't get me wrong I need my business to be profitable like it's not a hobby Um, and I have staff you know have casual staff that work for me and I love having that team and need to make enough money for that team as well so there's definite pressures Um, my husband was laid off last year and he's retraining and having a big career change which is fantastic but I'm definitely not like you know, sitting at home and being financially provided for, like this is yeah, this you know, is serious. This business. is my business, yeah, um, and this it this has to pay the bills. Um, so there's a, a whole lot of you know jobs that just need to get done. But I've really um, been doing my best to set aside time each week to actually build some creative resources that I really feel are mine to bring out to the world. And I think that's what I would regret if um, that was probably the shake-up to do that. Um, and and I did, I remember having a conversation of this, like just probably weeks before I was diagnosed. Um, I was at my mother-in-law's, she lives near the beach, and my girls wanted to go for a swim and I wasn't feeling like, and I'm not, I'm not a I've got I'm pretty body positive um mm-hmm. I've got always had curves got curves for curves for days <laughs> and um but I wasn't feeling like oh, everyone was at the beach this day and I was like oh I don't really feel like me and my wobbly bits getting down to the beach and I just had this like voice in my head of like who's to know that you have another summer like who's to say you get yeah. another summer get get your swimmers on and get down the beach with your kids and and it was interesting because that was pre-cancer. So I always feel like I have had that, like that's part mm-hmm. of me and part of how I think that has definitely exemplified. Yeah, that impetus to just get on and do things. I really feel like that. Like I really feel like wasting time. You know, I was talking to you, Tara, wasn't I, before um, we actually hit record on my internal struggle with, since Charlie's been sick and and now she's, you know, maintenance and and healthier that we can go and have a bit more of a normal life, this kind of internal tug of war that I have with needing to make the most of every moment because we're so lucky to have it. 
and never have I realized that more than now, but also that there's still everyday things that you need to do. So finding that balance between getting out there and doing everything and also just living a normal, you know, getting on with the things that we have to do. Um, But I have those moments, the same as you, the same as you of, um, of kind of saying, oh, you know, I won't do that today. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Yes, I will go out for that bike ride with you, Charlie, now yeah. because you really want to and it's half an hour and we're going to feel great when we've done it. So but yeah, I, I just that. coming back to what you said about your business, I love that you um, you allowed yourself to go there with the question about regrets and and think about work, that it didn't have to be mm. all about family and friends. And I, you know, I think... Um, I, I talked about last week, um, you actually replied to me on this, about extreme ownership, taking yes. extreme ownership of, of your life, your business. And I, I think that's also a part of what you're talking about. You took extreme mm. ownership to go, okay, well, am I where I want to be with my business or my creativity? Are there things that I'd still like to do? And it doesn't have to be just about your family. So I want to know yeah. what you're doing differently now. Like you've got that extreme ownership. You've had that enlightening, you know, a wake up call. What's different now for you? What are you working on? Yeah, sure. So um, by far, you know, if, if you put a gun to my head and said, what's the one thing you're meant to do before you leave this earth, it'd be to write a book. And I've been Ooh. writing a book for a long time and I just got serious. I... Um, and if you know, Seth Godin has yes. writing in community through Akimbo. Um, so I've joined that. I have a writing community and we are to show up daily and just add, you know, paragraph after paragraph. So that by the end of the six months, we have our book written. Um, that's awesome. So that's, that's been a really big part of that. And I had been writing a book to my um, daughters oh, probably about five or six years before I got sick anyway Mm. Um, and whether that I still don't know if that's something that will stay private or that's something that would be public I've shared a a couple of excerpts on my blog um, just out of curiosity it felt like running down the street naked but I just wanted (laughs) to see what the response was and it's probably the most response I've ever had from anything I've shared on my blog and I've had been blogging on and off so yeah I, I believe there's something there um, and then aside from the book, uh, just actually uh, putting together a course, um, I had this fear that Nourish and Nest could be quite misconstrued whereby it becomes, you know, all about as long as I've got a comfy spot to read my book and drink my tea all weekend and I pamper myself every night and, you know, <laughs> don't ever do anything that makes me feel uncomfortable that would be so sad for me if that is what was my legacy, if that is what was taken of the philosophy of Nourish and Nest. Instead, I believe that we are called to live passionately. I believe that each of us are here to make our own difference in some way, and that doesn't have to be grand. That can be that we just show up with kindness and compassion and proactivity in our in our workplaces and in our worlds. It can be that we actually do stuff that matters and have the self-awareness to say, am I just floating along and doing what everyone else is doing and buying what everyone else is buying and getting in debt like everyone else is and getting in debt, or am I actually living the life I want to live? And so when I think when we are living on purpose and living passionately and staying true to our own path and, you know, as you say, the impact that we're called to make on the world, 
to be able to do that well and to do that long term, we need to have practices that sustain us and refresh us and rejuvenate us. And when we do finally get that downtime in our homes, we need to be well-versed. Well, how do you make a welcoming home where people can gather around a table and feel heard and held and almost ready to be launched out into the world again? And nothing wrong with Netflix, but I think we've narrowed relaxing down to, you know, just binging something <laughs> and not getting any sleep. And like, don't get me wrong. I've Have totally, you been watching me? <laughs> I've totally been there and you would not want to know the amount of Netflix I binged during chemo. I think Netflix just put a thing up saying you've finished us now. Like we have nothing else to offer you. Hey, when you're having chemo, I think that's a rite of passage, okay? Uh, I, I, I purged myself. Um but, and, and there's nothing wrong, I, you know, a week would not go by where I don't do a bit of Netflix, but it doesn't necessarily like restore us. And, and I think um, so many people want to do good in the world or want to, and they burn out and just go back to sort of what everyone else is doing, that mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So I have been putting a course together um, it's about creating a life you love. And to be honest, I'm stealing a lot from the book. I don't know if there is still a book by the end of the course, but I'm just so <laughs> eager to get it out there that I, I'm just throwing, every, I'm not holding anything back and, and just um, practices, again, sustainable doable practices that we stop throughout our week that actually we take ownership and first of all what do I want my life to be like and what does that look like and how can I sustain myself through this and how can I check um, have regular points where I check and realign and readjust if I need to and if nothing else I just hope it gives permission for people that they can live the life they want to live they can create a life they love they don't have to just mindlessly float until they can escape every six months for a one-week vacay and then come back to the misery. I, I, I have a few words that I, you know, (laughs) triggers too strong but that I really react to you know when people are like oh it's nearly Friday or hump day or it takes everything within me not to say we don't have to live like this I said to you today happy hump day but I actually don't (laughs) know I didn't hear that I'm like sorry (laughs) (laughs) but just and I mean it's one thing but I've I've worked in places where it's purely it people just like survival to get through the week isn't it absolutely or that deferred um happiness that you know the likes of tim ferris talk about of how Mm. many people you know i'm pretty miserable but oh when i'm 65 then i'm gonna retire and live the dream and i sat next to some beautiful uh, i feel like i hang out with a lot of men over 70 with prostate cancer the last few years because I was in like a cancer gym group and that was them and then we would have our radiation together and now I go to a unit and get this injection and it's always like me and my prostate friends <laughs> and um multiple times I've I've heard them say you just work so hard your whole life and then you think you can't wait to retirement and then you get sick and this happens and oh, breaks my devastating. heart. It's yeah. devastating, And I'm not saying not to work hard, but if we're not, yeah, if we're not. It has to be more. Absolutely. Mm. absolutely. And I love what you said about the mediocrity because aside from the 
the fear of Charlie relapsing. That's my second biggest fear from this is that we will have gone through this year and, you know, like you, there's a plan way beyond that intensive treatment. Mm-hmm. We'll have gone through this whole experience and we'll go back to everyday life how it was which wasn't awful beforehand don't get me wrong but going back to that question and a question about uh how can other people benefit from our experiences because you do get awoken by cancer I think that's the one the other thing I really want to take away from this is I don't want to go back to the everyday I don't want to gently slide back into the binge watching TV every night and the and like you said there's nothing wrong with that but if that's all that you're doing you probably want more out of your life and if you come to the end of it will that be a regret yeah. it's very easy to slide back into the everyday just going through the motions happy hump day yay it's friday oh my god it's monday yeah. I mean, I personally escaped corporate to avoid that and I'm, yeah. I'm happy I'm not there now, but I know lots of people that do and and we should be able to have more in our lives than just those moments of a week's holiday and and, and just living for that next trip, particularly during COVID when you can't now. So <laughs> exactly. let's not put all our eggs in that basket. Um, I, I love that you are such a creative writer and I didn't know that you were writing a book, but it completely makes sense to me because I was reading your blog the other day. Now I might say this lady's name wrong. Belinda Neem, is it Neem? Yes, yes. From Belinda Neem from Whole Cottage, yeah. Yes. Who you interviewed. And that's full confession, the first blog post I've written of you, read of yours. And you've got such a talent for writing. Now, listeners, I'll link to the blog in the show notes. But Tara interviewed um, Belinda Neem, who runs a beautiful business called Whole Cottage. And one of the things I she said that I absolutely loved was that after she was made redundant during COVID and she was really struggling with that, the biggest lesson in the last 12 months for her was that it's okay to slow down. And, mm-hmm. and I'm quoting her now. She said, your success isn't measured by the amount of stuff you fit into your day. Go slow, find the things that really make your heart sing and always, always find time for you, which obviously fits in beautifully with this whole conversation and with your ethos. But it really resonated with me as I definitely used to define myself by how much I got done in a day. Yes. And that's really shifted. You know, trying to find those moments of um, simplicity and, and enjoyment with the kids mm. and with my husband and friends and and also in my work and doing the things that I love and not just getting pulled into the time fillers that make me feel busy, but that don't produce anything worthwhile in my business. What's your advice for women who you think could be kind of falling into that same trap that they're focusing on churning through the to-do list, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of at a personal cost to their, their health and their wellness. And they're not really focusing on the quality of what they're doing. It's just getting through the quantity. I feel like by answering this, I almost feel like we're in the matrix and I'm going to say here's the blue pill and here's the red <laughs> pill. And once you've had the blue pill, you can't ever look at life the same way. But I made a decision a few years back when I just, there's nothing wrong with the word busy or there's nothing wrong with the word hustle. There's nothing wrong with the word stressed. But I think those three words got really misconstrued Um, and I think words are powerful and the words we speak are really powerful. And Mm. I made a decision a little while back that my conversation openers and my, the content of my conversations was not going to be about how much I had on my plate, because otherwise 
I live in a small coastal town as you do and I grew up here and so you know a lot of people and throughout your interactions in the day you can just have conversation after conversation after conversation about how we're all so busy and so hectic and full on and like just too much overwhelmed got in the time for, oh, I wish we could catch up but oh, who's got time for that and, oh, and so I just true. started to see that it was a load of crap mm-hmm. <laughs> and I because I I know people who have really complex life situations, who have kids with special needs and they are carers on top of their full-time jobs or who are caring for multi-generations of family or who have significant, you know, I've got dear friends with significant lifelong medical situations. and, And what I find really interesting is that none of those people ever describe themselves as busy or hectic (laughs) or I ran into someone who is a carer 24-7 and still has their hobbies outside their life and and I would just even though in them you know she I ran into her down the beach and she's like I'm well and how are you and she's just genuinely interested in you and there's just a she's they've chosen a different view they they choose a different language and so a big thing for me was if every time someone says to me, how are you, if my answer was busy, either that's laziness or my life needs changing, if, if that is honestly the answer, either. And, and what if I am busy, what am I busy with? I've had years where I've said to the kids, right, you're all just going to do one activity each this year because you know, I'm driving around for, and this year isn't that year. This year they're all doing a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. we're in a bit of a different season. They can ride their bikes to things and aren't so reliant on us. But yeah, or times when I've said, I'm not going to say yes to every party I get invited to, and that is okay. Mm-hmm. Or um, the myriad of other, I've never watched The Bachelor, and that's okay. I feel like I've got too oh, much. Tara, to we need to talk. <laughs> No. I was like, where would I even where would I even start? I'm just gonna let it go. Like I'm gonna let that one go. It's okay. Like, yes. <laughs> even though hey, I look, I've seen them all, but I don't judge me. No, I'm not judging you. If anything, I feel like if you could write me a cheat sheet just so I can like my husband, we're not a like a footy family and my husband doesn't watch the state of origin, but he always asks someone like, what's just two lines I need to say to, like just to get by for the next week. But I think when I changed, I found it so interesting when I made that small change. Now, don't be like with my close friends, I'll be honest. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I'm a bit overwhelmed. I probably need to like reassess. I think I've got too much going at the moment. Or I'd say this week is really full, but then I've got um, a few weeks with better flow coming up. Like I'm not saying I was living in delusion because some, you know, some I've got three kids, some, you know, run my own business. Um, Some weeks are very full. But I just felt like there was a laziness by just reverting to I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm mm. that didn't actually allow us to connect with others. And what I've found now, next level, is now people often answer for you. So just twice in the last three weeks, someone said, how are you, super busy? And now I actually say, no, no, I'm not. And they go, oh, Okay. But more so, some people actually get quite angry. And one person said to me, you are busy. You have to be busy. You've got three kids and you run a business. You are busy. And I go, no, I'm I'm in a really manageable flow. There's a real flow to my life. You know, I'm I'm not like I have time for rest. I have time for, you know, 
um, no, I'm not actually busy. And my when this person left, my daughter said, Mum, couldn't you have just said you're busy? Like, I upset <laughs> this woman easier. so much. But I was like, no, because it's too easy to get my self-worth then from that. And mm-hmm. if I take that away, um, then I actually need to connect on a real level And by saying busy, what am I really saying? I'm saying I'm important, I'm needed, I'm successful. Um, That's what we've come to equate as busy. Mm. And meeting friends from other cultures where being busy actually means you're obviously not very well off because you've got no one to help you. Oh, my God, I'm rethinking my business name completely now. (laughs) I'll talk so about that. Sorry, I'm so sorry. And I know I'm picking on that one word, but and and you know, and even and, and don't get me wrong. For example, I will often say I I'm not hustling. My good friend popped over the other day. She said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I am hustling." She goes, "I thought you didn't hustle." I was like, "You know what? I've just looked at the books. We're a bit shy this week. I am calling around. I'm checking yeah. out our wholesale orders. I'm reaching out to some new people. There is a time for hustle. Like there is a time for we need some more money here. Let's make this happen." But I run my business well when I also have times of retreat where I get time to write, where I get time. I had a coffee with Claire that works for me this morning just because I'm training her in a new aspect and just really wanted to connect with how that's feeling for her and let her air that out. Of course, we could have just written something on Trello to each other, but I think to slow down and say, you know what, we actually can take half an hour out of the start of our day to, to connect. Um, so it's it's very much a decision what would my life look like if I wasn't busy? And I will start at the start of every season with just an empty schedule and put in what I absolutely want to be there. Mm. And obviously the kids have to go to school. Um, and then, <laughs> And then if I think, you know what, this is actually this term is looking insane, I'll sit down with the kids and say, this looks really crazy. I'm not going to give up my... Um, self-care practice mm. so who what could we do and you know we'll work as a team rather than them just say well mum if you just didn't do anything on Tuesday night your one night that you do something would all be fine <laughs> well there's um, that devotion again right you, you're putting yourself it's not about I was gonna say putting yourself as a priority you are but I think some people will be uncomfortable like oh okay so the kids are going to suffer because you get your thing it's not about that it's about everyone having kind of an equal priority in the family yeah. and that you need to fit in as well as the kids do yeah um and I completely agree with you, you know words create our world and whilst my business is called busy business women I, my take on busy and I've talked about this a lot in that there's different there's two different viewpoints and I love that you've brought this up because that whole um, just, I mean, firstly, it's called Busy Business Women because a lot of people connect with that and go, Absolutely. oh, that's me. I want to learn and from And that's her. Your, so your target market. A market. I totally, I think yeah. that's very well used. Yeah, please don't think I'm saying anything. Oh, no, no, else, I love but... this conversation. I love yeah. that you brought this up because also um, I've definitely worn that busy badge. And I've talked about this before on how I've, I've had to, you know, I've not had to, I've wanted to put the busy badge down. It is very, very easy to fall into that trap of just your instinctive answer being I'm busy. And it's quite confronting to hear what you said about you know, when you say that, what is, what are you saying about yourself? What are you mm. thinking about yourself? That was really interesting. I'm like, mm, mm. that's yeah, I'm taking that on board. You know, is it about that you're, you're more important than other people or is it about your, 
ego, your success. There's a lot of wrapped up in that. But there's two different types of busy as well. I'm somebody that lives a full life. And frankly, I think I'd struck, like I don't do downtime very well. So, and I'm working on that, but I think I will naturally always be someone that likes to fill my, a lot of my time. And I have a really positive association with busy. So the reframe of that is like, I like a full life, Yes, but if your busyness is just like, like a steamroller trying to get through each day to get to the weekend to start again, then that's a a negative busy in my mind and and you probably want to make some shifts. Yeah, and that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, my husband has a joke of sometimes he, you know, says, oh, you're in carpe freaking DM mode, aren't you? Because <laughs> I, I I have that natural inclination. I, I have quite a cyclic energy and I um, have learned that certain weeks of the month I can dream the dreams, but I don't put them the plans in action. Otherwise, <laughs> a week later when I'm in a, a little bit more of a subdued energy, I'm like, oh, man, I've got something on every night this week and I'm <laughs> doing this for the first time and I'm, do, you know, and, and uh, you know, did I explain to you that we're going on this trip? And, you know, I could, and I think that's the blessing and the curse of surviving you know, breast cancer and at a young age and when your kids are young and having that, you know, real, very real touch of uh, mortality and also knowing, um, you know, I look after myself and, um, you know, believing for a good, long and healthy life, but it's not a given um, at any stage. And so that is, I, I live with that. I'm aware of people who I sat and had chemo with who aren't here anymore, who are younger than me and mm. um, just as deserving to be alive as I am. And some days almost that, you know, when Josh says my carpe freaking DM days where I do <laughs> just like I want to do it all and I want to make it all happen and and then finding that then sometimes that can be really unsustainable and that, I you know, I'm still very much on a journey with that. Yeah. Uh, I guess the main thing, um, I do a little weekly reset. So I sit down on the Sunday and I look and I sort of have my overall, like just sort of goals or dreams. And sometimes it's not even, it's more of a value, like just mm-hmm. am I seeing that value in my life? Um, and then often, you know, with my I have like relationships and health and spirituality and you know, just different aspects of my life. Um, and even though I sit down every week, it's amazing how off track you can get within one week. Mm. And sometimes I sit down on a Sunday and I think I was busy last week, but I wasn't moving towards my cup ADM goals, you know, I wasn't. And so just to realign and think, you know what, I could actually have a less full week, but the activities I do do are really purpose-driven fueled by passion and are actually building into something that's legacy for me, mm. um, that is so much more impactful. And even with my business, um, there are things that look impressive. So back in the day, we used to do a lot of events and be- and the beautiful events and seasonal events. And I loved that, loved people coming together and connecting and creating that, you know, gather and celebrate part of the philosophy of Nourish and Nest. And I know there's people that made friendships through that and that was their little treat to themselves was this really nourishing event they would go to. They're they're wonderful. They're not financially contributing to your business. Mm -hmm. It's something you did. It was great promotion. We got a lot of customers out of those events and even sometimes some collaborations, which 
people would be like, oh, you've made it, you've, you know, you're collaborating with so-and-so. Well, it didn't always equate to great finances or, mm. oh, that big fancy shop, they're stocking you. Well, they didn't pay their invoice and had <laughs> to chase yeah. them up for four months. But this other handful of um, honest-to-goodness, beautiful stockers that you might know and aren't in the papers, they pay their invoice every month and they are our bread and butter there's not a lot of fanfare, but that's actually what is the foundation of our business. So moving away from what looks successful on the outside to a lot of other people to what actually can keep our business successful long-term um, has been really important as well, if that makes sense. I hope oh, I'm not completely. rambling here. No, you're not. I'm nodding away because that's been a big light bulb for me this year or the last 12 months in in still running my business but spending so much time in hospital with Charlie, I had to mm-hmm. rein in a significant number of things. And actually imagine. when you're forced to do it, I, I think I've made really good decisions with where I spend my time because I've managed to continue running my business, keep a, a high percentage of that client base, but by focusing on the things that actually pay the bills, uh, pro- provide consistency, um, and actually get a lot of enjoyment out of doing. And there are yes. a whole load of other peripheral things which – yeah, like I, some of them I enjoyed doing, but others I was just doing because other people were doing them yeah. or because I thought I had to. And when I've stripped them away and now they've been stripped away for the best part of a year, my business isn't falling, you know, the arse isn't falling out of my business because I've done that. And sometimes we have to be forced into that situation mm. to realise that what we thought we needed to do, we don't. So that's been, I completely understand what you're saying. That's been a big wake up call for me and one one I'm really grateful for. And just tying back into what you said, now I'm very mindful of not falling back into that trap. Like one of the things I've talked about is I stopped doing my podcast for almost a year. I love doing this. Like I'm just getting so much out sitting, talking to you. So I love doing it. It it, it doesn't keep my business running. It doesn't pay my bills. But if I've got time, which I now have, I'll do it. But I don't have to feel the pressure to do it if I don't. And that's me making a conscious choice rather than getting in busy mode and going, oh my God, I've got to do two podcasts this week because I said I would. Well, what does it matter? Like why? Yeah. There's things I need to be consistent with and there are things that I don't. And there will be people listening to this going, well, you really should be publishing every week. Yeah, yeah, I know that. But my business is not going to die if I don't. And that's okay. And it's feeling um having that strength in your decisions and making yes. informed decisions that I think is really empowering. I feel like I'm going off at a tangent now and clearly getting passionate about that one. But <laughs> I love it. I've lived and breathed it for a year. Oh, and it's, it's and, true. And Faye, I, I love the generosity with which you have shared the lessons that you've learned in this past year because I think that even others who aren't facing the challenges that you are can gain so much from that. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Now, I'm conscious of time because, oh, my God, I didn't even realise that was the time, actually. I want to ask you one quick question and then we'll wrap up. Sure. and we were talking before about Belinda at Hull Cottage, yes. which is a beautiful space. And you've mm. got a great event coming up there. So you've clearly found an awesome collaboration with this lady. Yes. Uh, what I really, uh, well, what I wanted to talk about really is that when you go onto your website, it might look like it's candles and teas and all these beautiful products that are ritual based, but you actually have this whole hub. Whole hub whole other side of your business that are these courses and events and you've touched on some of the events but with your course tell us about that and I'd like to just know a bit of the progression in your business in getting to that point yeah sure so events 
were something that obviously we um, ceased um, while I was sick and just as we were about to launch into them again, um, COVID started. So we're very gently dipping our toe in the water again. So we have two uh, events coming up. Uh, One is a winter warming event in collaboration with Nicolette, a beautiful yin yoga teacher, and that's happening at Kai Yoga in Coromel on July 10th and will be a tea ceremony um, and sort of a, a winter seasonal yoga class. Um, Sounds beautiful. Really restorative and lovely. Mm. Then I am presenting an art of tea workshop in the town of Gunning and I discovered uh, Hold Cottage by actually staying there with my family and it's just everything you see on Instagram. It's Oh, it just looks amazing, yeah. So, and it's like two and a bit hours from Wollongong and it's like 40 minutes from Canberra. Um, just a really genuine little um, country village, I guess. Mm-hmm. So Belinda will be hosting me. She does these fantastic uh, workshops and she lights the fire and makes your lunch and it's just beautiful country hospitality. And then I'll be doing our Art of Tea workshop which where you blend your own teas and we do a tea, mindfulness tea practice, and that will be a delicious afternoon. So if you go now, <laughs> uh, if you go um, on the website under the Inspire section, you'll mm-hmm. see the journal, which always has details of all those events. And you'll also, I've got free resources already. So there's, um, you don't have to buy anything. If you sign up, you receive our Living Well Through the Art of Ritual, which I guess is just an introduction to creating a life you love. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had such a good response to that and I've done a little bit of mentoring one-on-one with a few women with that and I just know that there's a real desire for a course. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to launch that very, very soon, as in next month soon. So we are taking names right now so you can sign up Um, under the inspire section on the website you can sign up to be the first cab off the rank for that course we'll have a discount for the first crew that come through yeah our foundational members and once you do the course then you also have access just to some ongoing resources Um, but just you know I've had such great feedback of, of customers over the years that they just after having children and really throwing themselves into their careers, they just really lost their sense of self. And they Mm. said, I couldn't even tell you what I wanted my life to look like because I just didn't even know where to start and who am I. And so this course is just a beautiful way to cultivate that self-awareness and actually get some planners out and put pen to paper and really dream of, of what that life could look like and taking small steps. And it's very, it's all about being very obtainable and small things that we can do wherever we are with whatever we have right now uh, to create a life that we really love. Oh my gosh, I just feel relaxed even listening to that. You're talking my language, lady. I love the sound of it. Listeners, I'm going to put links to everything Tara's just talked about in the show notes. So you can just go to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 66. Tara, I could talk to you all day, but we're going to have to wrap this up. So where are the best places for people to go check you out? Absolutely. So we hang out on Instagram, but our To be honest, the most value we offer is through our email list. So we send out a seasonal, the winter um, guide is just about to go out. So once a season, we send out a jam-packed guide just to really inspire you to 
be present in the season that you're at and really love that. Um, so if you go to our homepage, um, you can sign up to join our community. There's also a link via our Instagram and, yeah, take it from so there. nourishandnest.com.au? Just, uh, just nourishandnest.com or on Instagram, just um, uh, nourishandnest. Awesome. Again, links will all be in the show notes. Tara, thank you so much for joining thank us you, today. Thank you, Faye. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like there needs to be more chapters to this podcast and this conversation. <laughs> so watch this space, listeners. If you give me some good feedback, then maybe we'll get Tara back on or maybe we'll all just hook up and go to her retreat um, <laughs> at the whole cottage, which sounds beautiful. Yes. So thank you so much. It's really, I really appreciate your time and your insights. So I feel like I've got a bit of a to-do list now, but a, a very calming one of things I want to go and focus on. So thanks so much for joining beautiful. us today. Thank you, Faye. Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love you to please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you love. That would help more people discover this podcast and benefit from the biz and life goodness that we've been sharing today. And if you'd like to hang out some more with me, I'd love to see you over on the Facebook and Instagram at Busy Business Women. And you can find lots more biz building goodness over on the website, busybusinesswomen.biz. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I really appreciate it. I will be back again next week with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until then, I'm Faye Hollands. This is Tara Skip, and you've been listening to the Busy Business Women podcast. 